Welcome, everyone, to this new edition of BAMS Radio, post-second scrimmage, year 16, cranked up for Nick Saban in the University of Alabama. We're going to talk some scrimmage intel today on this edition of BAMS Radio and continue to get you ready so we can, uh, you know, count down the days to Utah State on September the 3rd inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. It will be a 6.30 p.m. opening kickoff for Alabama. But a lot of interesting things coming out of scrimmage number two for the Crimson Tide. And the most important thing is no big injuries reported. Uh, and that's the best thing. It sounded like some cramping went on. And it was a hot day uh, with some rain after the scrimmage wrapped up. But it was a, you know, but it was still a very interesting one for the University of Alabama, a team that's got a chance to be special if they can stay healthy. And uh, as usual, my two cohorts are with me tonight. We got Thomas the Wizard Watch running the board in the port city of Mobile, and he'll give us some of his thoughts on what he's been hearing. And then William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a national champion and uh, someone that follows the Crimson Tide very closely and played with pound for pound, my favorite Alabama player, and, and I still think the best I ever saw in person in a Crimson jersey, and that's David the Deuce Palmer from Jackson Olin High School in Birmingham, Alabama. And, of course, our good friend Aaron Suttles did a story on him, got some thoughts from William in that. And uh, we'll even talk about the Deuce a little bit today, too, because he would have been lethal in today's college football, maybe pound for pound still uh, the greatest football player I've ever had, a, uh, ever had a chance to witness in an Alabama jersey. And someone that people forget finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting in 93, and if he'd come back in 94, remember, that was an undefeated Alabama team until they lost by one uh, to Florida. He, I think he could have won the Heisman. And I've got to say this, too. I've had the uh, honor of in interviewing the Deuce on my radio show, and he admitted the same thing. One of his biggest regrets is like, he had three kids, and, and he wanted to move on and have an NFL career, but he wishes he had come back to play on that team in 94 and maybe win a second national championship because – of course, he has a 92 national championship ring. No question about that. But we're going to talk some scrimmage. Uh, welcome back, guys. Thomas, how are you tonight? Drew, I'm pretty good. I did not get to attend the scrimmage. Real life got a little bit busy. But spoiler alert, if you've listened to this show, I've been on record saying if Alabama won the title last year, which they did not, they would have. it would have been a theft. Because... This year, this team is scary, and nothing I've heard makes me think anything but that. I think if you're an Alabama fan, it's fair to be excited. I think Alabama, if they stay healthy, could really have a historically good team on both sides of the ball. Now, we haven't seen Alabama against anybody else but Alabama. So, you know, temper some of your expectations, but I have to say, Drew, Based on what I'm hearing from people that are not given to hyperbole around the scrimmage, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, no doubt. And, William, welcome back tonight. And uh, before you give some of your opening thoughts on the scrimmage, I'll be remiss because, I mean, you got a chance to block for him. You got a chance to practice with him. You got a chance to see him do things in practice that we never saw. But I certainly saw him play in the games. For our listeners uh, to take a look back at what Aaron Suttles wrote this week, just to kind of educate them on how unique and good the deuce was. Well, I, you know, to be totally honest with you, Drew, I, I had, until I read Aaron's article and, you know, certainly 
you know, appreciating them getting in touch with me for, for a couple of quotes, but, um, I, I'd kind of forgotten, um, you know, a, all the hype that, uh, you know, was involved with David coming in as a recruit, number one, and then number two, it jarred my memory, uh, just how close Alabama was losing him to Florida State. I, I do remember, uh, that dynamic, but, you know, he kind of got to Alabama at a perfect time. I mean, you know, we, we certainly weren't uh, known for having a dynamic passing attack when he got there, um, you know, unless you wanted to call a passing attack, you know, running the toss sweep 30 times a game. Um, but, you, you know, it was pretty obvious early on, I would say, uh, uh, you know, kind of the David's coming out party was the first scrimmage. Um, at Bryant-Denny in August of, of his true freshman year, which would have been August of 1991. And, you know, the you know the punting wasn't live just like it is now. I mean, it was live for everybody else, but, you know, you couldn't tackle the um, the returner. And just, just, you know, watching him and then all of a sudden, you know, turning around and watching the players. You know, typically if you were a starter on offense or defense – you know, when, when the special teams was going on, I mean, you were over there with a wet towel over your head, you know, praying for a lightning, you know, storm to come through so the scrimmage would get called. Um, but, you know, you look up and, and you see John Copeland and Eric Curry and, you know, Kevin Turner and Saran Stacy, and they're all, you know, oohing and on and have, you know, looks of shock on their face over what everybody's watching. Um, you know, that, that was kind of the first, you know, telltale sign that, you know, we, we, you know, the hype was probably real and, um, you know, we had something special to look forward to, but, you know, you saw, you know, David probably made his, uh, you know, his biggest impact, um, you know, as a punt returner early on in that season. And that continued all the way through um, the blockbuster bowl um, oh, yeah. versus, versus Colorado at the end of that year. But, um, you know, he, he factored in a lot in the passing game. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, and, and and I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think in October, November of the following, uh, excuse me, not the following year of '93, um, I think David Palmer was the first Wildcat quarterback um, uh, that, yeah. that, that that college football ever saw, and, and he was pretty damn good at that as well. Um, certainly, I remember it versus Old Miss at Old Miss in '93, and uh, at home against LSU. But just you know, when when you took when you would look at him in street clothes, um, you, you know he looked like he should have been in a fraternity, not on a on an SEC football team. He certainly wasn't imposing. Um, you know, didn't have you know blazing um, game changing speed. But you know, nobody ever got a a solid hit on him. You never saw anybody catch him from behind. You know, he just had so much shake and bake and was so elusive. Um, and, and, you know, certainly that was kind of towards the tail end of an era uh, where a, a player that talented could probably get away with, you know, kind of sleepwalking through practice during the week and, and still being allowed to start on a Saturday. And he certainly didn't do that. I mean, he was one of the, the hardest workers at practice on the team. And, you know, everybody respected him. Um, you know, he, he answered the bell every time he was called on. And, uh, you know, I, I hated that his, you know, that his NFL career was probably a lot shorter, um, you know, than it should have been. And, and 
you know, leaving early to go pursue that, which I certainly understand considering his family situation, you know, probably cost him some hardware. I think he would have, um, you know, had a chance to win the Heisman as a senior in 1994 and, you know, might have elevated his draft stock a little bit. But, um, you know, certainly one of the greatest players to ever put on a, crisp, a crimson jersey. And, um, you know, for those those guys, you know, that, that didn't get to see it and experience it back in the, in the early 90s, I can assure you, um, he could have held his own with any of the people that you mentioned, whether it's Jalen Waddell, um, you know, Javier Arenas, you know, whoever you want to throw out there. Um, you know, he, he was a guy that, you know, could have been a two-way player, um, you know, in college football. And, and, and like we were talking about earlier, Drew, um, you know, you know, I think he played quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, um, you know, at different times and different sets in the offense and stuff. But just just a phenomenal football player and, um, you know, what was it was a joy to have as a teammate. Man, was one of my biggest memories was that old Miss game in Jackson you're talking about, and they put him in, and Alabama's offense was going nowhere fast. And the, when I think the first play from scrimmage, he throws a 50-yard seed to Kevin Lee. I mean, you just couldn't throw the ball any better than that. And then he, he made two or three broken field runs. And the reason that I remember this guy's name is because he got ejected at the end of the game for being so irate because he couldn't lay a hand on him. They had a middle linebacker at Ole Miss. who was a really good player named Gary Abide. And it was the final play of the game, pretty much. Alabama was down in the ball. And he'd been trying to catch Deuce all the game long. And one time, Deuce, you know, basically juked about five of them out of their jocks, including his. And he got so mad that he ran over your teammate, Toby Shields, the center, and got ejected from the game with a few seconds left on the clock. Because he just couldn't handle the fact. I, I remember that now. <laughs> yeah, he did. He just decided, okay, I'm going to take all my frustrations out on Toby, and he just knocks him over. And I mean, it was. But I'll say this: if it hadn't been for Deuce, Alabama won that game. I think 19 to 14. They never would have won that game. And then, it, you know, if they had put him in sooner, if they, and I was in the stands of that home game against LSU that ended the long winning streak, I still believe Alabama wins that game but they just didn't put him in soon enough for him to be able to rally Alabama to a victory. But he was unbelievable, uh, as you said, pound for pound, as good as anyone. And could have been a great corner, too. And, I mean, I just – I think some people just forget how good he was. And he had a 1,000 yards receiving as a, as a junior in a Gene Stallings offense. And that today is like what Amari Cooper did in 2014, if not more. And I can just tell you that because he, he certainly – didn't have as you as you mentioned, William, some of the you know a, a, an amazing scheme to play in, or even at some at some points in time that he didn't have high level quarterback play. But he was certainly a unique player and a guy that I think we'll, we will never see again. I've never seen another one like him. People bring up his name sometimes, but I've never seen another uh, football player like the Deuce. No question about that. But uh, well, now, I, I had forgotten about that personal foul on the last play of the. <laughs> the game and now now I know who to blame it on because because shortly thereafter that personal foul was called the old Miss fans took their frustrations out on us and after seeing an Alabama State trooper get hit get hit by one of the 200 uh, liquor bottles that got blown from the stands that that is the only football stadium I have ever run off the field after the game was over with with my helmet on 
<laughs> and I probably wish I could have had it to wear out to the bus on the walk out to the bus from the locker room. <laughs> well, I could just tell you, Deuce made a 50-yard run in that game, the one I was talking about, where he made about five guys miss. And, and the great Keith Jackson did that game with Bob Greasy, and I'll never forget what he said. He said he turned after he made the great run, they finally tackled him. He turned to Bob Greasy and he goes, running through a thunderstorm. Because <laughs> 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 they just could not tackle him at all. And I was getting, instead of lightning bolts coming out of the thunderstorm, it was broken ankles. Oh, there you go. Exactly. No doubt about it. Well, I know we need to talk about this second scrimmage for Alabama. This has got a chance to be a special team, guys. And, you know, we, you know, we had eyes on the scrimmage. And I can tell you this, um, I'm, I'm more convinced now than ever after, you know, what we've seen and heard. Uh, and we haven't seen a lot because, again, practices are closed. But Jameer Gibbs is a guy that I'm really excited to see. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, he made a run yesterday in the scrimmage of about 50 yards where he weaved from one end of the field to the other, breaking tackles, and then pulling a David Palmer near the end where he just stopped, had a guy fly by him, and then kept running. He ran 85 yards to go 50. He didn't score. I mean, they ended up scoring later in the drive. But he's an electric talent, and I can't wait to see him. And, I, and I'm going to tell you what. After what, you know, uh, that the scrimmage yesterday, when you always talk about jobs being one, well, I definitely think he's an RB1, but I think RB2, and this is no disrespect to Roy Dell Williams and, and Trey Sanders, but I think it's definitely um, Jace McClellan. He made, another, he made a great cutback 25-yard run, had a couple of short touchdown runs in the scrimmage, and it looks like uh, the depth chart's taking some shape there. Uh, but speaking of freshmen, too, receivers like your former teammate, the deuce who made such a big impact in 91 at that spot. I'm just going to tell everybody better get ready for number 80 in your program because it's no fluke. He's going to be the slot guy to start. He had seven more catches yesterday, the first touchdown of the scrimmage. And it just, to me, it just looks like, you know, just from what you're hearing that he and Bryce young have basically it's like they've been to playing together their whole lives. There's a lot of great chemistry there. And there's always a guy or a recruit that maybe was undervalued. And he was a late bloomer who earned his offer late, William. But it looks like to me that Kobe Prentice is going to be a big part of this. I'd say he's easily in the top four receivers right now. Well, and I was glad to hear you. That was going to be a question that I'd, I'd had for you because – just based on some scuttlebutt that, that's gotten back to me in the last couple of weeks, I was going to ask you, um, you know, with the people that you had at the scrimmage yesterday, who you felt like the the number two running back was going to be for Utah State, because it didn't sound to me um, like it was going to be Trey Sanders, but you, you've answered that question. Um, and, and, you know, as far as Kobe Prentice goes, I mean, I, you know, I think he's a kid that, um, like you said, he was under the radar, uh, late bloomer. Um, but he, you know, he's come into camp taking advantage of, of uh, you know, JoJo Earl being injured, and uh, you know, he's kind of, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns. And, and for the time being, you know, like you said, I think that spot's his. And uh, you know, the the other one that I think it's it's funny because I've been reading comments online all summer long how um, everybody kind of thought that Treshawn Holden was a 
Cam Sims type possession receiver. And I'm scratching my head every time I read it. I'm like, y'all must have, you know, gone to take a pee, uh, you know, when, when, you know, he outran the whole Mississippi State defensive secondary last year during the Mississippi State game. Um, he didn't look like a possession receiver to me and uh, certainly didn't sound like he looked like one yesterday. No, he didn't. I mean, he was probably the star of the scrimmage. I mean, he he made three big plays and, and really, uh, he, he early in the scrimmage, he had a, a, a really nice tiptoe catch inside the five that set up one of those short touchdowns I was referring to from Jason McClellan. So he did a nice job. And then he had three just what you just talked about, William, explosive touchdowns. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, uh, you know, had one drive where – and Bryce was just really on yesterday. You know, he, he, from what we understand, he threw the ball really, really well. On one drive, it was basically a two-play drive. He hit Jermaine Burton for about 35 down the sideline and then dropped it in the bucket, timing route, about 45 yards to said Treshawn Holden. And uh, and then Treshawn had a 60-yarder in one-versus-ones where he went across the middle and outran everyone. And then uh, later in the scrimmage, uh, there was more ones-versus-ones, and he took a quick screen and got down the sideline. So, you know, he really hasn't been talked about a lot during the offseason. He's been kind of mentioned in that four or five range for wide receivers. But he's, you know, Bryce Young's roommate. I know they're both, they both, uh, you know, matriculated from the state of California, though Trey Sean before that played at St. Francis Academy for Biff Pogey and played with Chris Braswell. But again, you just, he, he's kind of had to bide his time. And really, he's the returning, leading returning receiver on this team. He had over, 200 yards receiving last year, which is not a lot compared to what Mechie and, and J-Mo did. But he's got experience, and now this is his opportunity to be in that top four. And there's no question that he is. I mean, if you ask me right now, uh, I would say Jermaine Burton, Treshawn Holden, uh, Kobe Prentice, and then, of course, Ja'Cory Brooks. Ja'Cory had the drops last week, not this week. He didn't make any big plays from what we understand. But uh, he, had a, he, he was moving the chains, catching the football which is the most important thing. And, and William, I know the big thing people were worried about last week was the drops from the receivers. I, I would say this. I, only one wide receiver would probably not want to watch the film uh, this week, and it would be Christian Leary. And it's, uh, you know, kind of stinks for him because he's had two straight scrimmages where he didn't really show up after having a really good spring. And unfortunately, with all these younger receivers like the apprentices of the world and Isaiah Bonds and, and Chaz Preston's and then Kendrick Laws. And then when Aaron Anderson gets back, you've got a lot of young receivers on this team. And if you don't perform, you can slip down the depth chart pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and you know, to me, um, you know, I know he doesn't have um, the most experience in the world playing corner, but he's easily one of the top 10, maybe even top five athletes on the team. Uh, but but a lot of Holden's damage yesterday was done against Terrion Arnold, and, and there's you know I threw the caveat out there, um, he's learning on the fly right now, but still a phenomenal athlete, and for Holden to be able to get, you know that kind of separation and, and explosion on somebody like Terrion, um, you know speaks highly of, of Holden's athleticism and his ability. It does, no doubt about it, and I mean uh, I I think and I do think the wide receiver group even though it's going to be a much younger one, still has a chance to be highly productive. And I will say this, too. 
I think, and I've said, and I've said it about Bryce. I think Bryce is as good a quarterback as there is in college football, and he's so talented. Uh, he has a, he can elevate those around him, the receivers. Like if you're a really good receiver, he can make you look like a great one, or if you're a great one, he can make you look like an elite one. And if you're elite, uh, then you're certainly got a chance to you know be a top five draft pick, things of that nature. I just think. He's an elite level passer with great feel, uh, and you know, and and you know that's the that's the thing that this Alabama offense has going for it. There's a lot of new weapons around him, but I think he's getting you know synergy and and uh, and chemistry with all of them, and that's what's going to be interesting is to watch this offense grow because I think we know the defense is talented as all get out and has a chance to be elite, but it's going to be interesting to see what the ceiling is for this offense with all these new position players and skill players. And I will say uh, it's been confirmed. There was no Eli Ricks in the scrimmage. There was no Cam Latou. They're going to be back at a later time. Also, no Seth McLaughlin, who was not with the twos on the O-line. But there was no injuries. Uh, there was some cramping that went on, which is good. I mean, nothing uh, where it's going to be kind of season-altering. So, And I can say tell you for a fact, Jordan Battle was in black. He did participate. He was supposed to be non-contact. But let's just say that wasn't the case, and he didn't look like he was uh, slowed at all by that uh, ankle injury scare, William, that he had earlier in the week. No, I, I think that was disproven less than 24 hours after the, you know, DEFCON 5 panic button was pushed uh, when he, you know, was carted off the field in the middle part of last week. Um, but, you know, and, and I'm not disagreeing with Thomas on this, but you just – I'm still on the fence about the offensive line, um, you know, and, and not so much that I don't think they're going to be better than they were last year. Just with with my anticipation and, and hope of seeing it um, happen, you know, I, I think if they can just have a B level ground game this year, um, th- then all of a sudden, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come on here and say, well, you know what, Thomas is right. This barring some injuries, this, this team has a chance to, you know, go back to the big show. Um, but, you know, last year was such a shit show in my book. Um, I'm going to have to see it before I totally buy in. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, if they can get a decent ground game, God knows they can certainly improve on the number of sacks that they gave up. Um, you know, this has a chance to be a special team. And I, and I think right now in my mind, you know, even with the injury situations at corner, um, you know, those five guys up front on offense are still the big question mark for me on this team. Well, and speaking of those, William, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the, the first five did not change. And going into the weekend, um, I kind of felt like uh, in the scrimmage that, I would see uh, and uh, hear that JV and Cohen had a lot of first-team reps, and maybe it's 50-50. My anticipation was that's what it would be going in. I thought, you know, that uh, with jobs still to be won, that Javian with his, his with his uh, you know, mental health issue off the field, had fallen a little bit behind, but was given a chance to, you know, catch up. And I know Kendall's a senior, and I've known him since he was a freshman in high school, and I'm happy he's competing, but I just kind of felt like the job was still open. But I got to tell you, after what you the, – the little bit you see and then what you hear, I mean, I, I, it was wire to wire. Kendall Randolph at left guard, I believe that's going to be his spot. 
at least to start the season. Now you got to go out and keep it. Uh, but I think the first group played really well. Uh, certainly uh, some sacks were given up because I mean, you're, you're, you're blocking a bunch of freakazoids and when you're going one versus ones, but I think they kept the twos out pretty well. And I just think uh, overall, when you look at it from left to right, it's going to be, you know, Tyler Steen, who I think is in, has been better than they thought. Uh, Kendall Randolph at left guard. The center will be Darian Dalcourt. I think he got a little bit, he had a, a little bit of a scare yesterday, but, but came back, did not miss any snaps, just was a little slow getting up at one point. And then when you think about right guard, Emil Echior, he's going into his third year starting. And then that right tackle, J.C. Latham, and I, I know you're going to enjoy watching him win because I think he's going to be the most improved lineman on the team. But I like that first five. And, you know, from what we hear, Nick Saban thinks they've got eight guys that he likes that they think can play. And to me, that's got to be Seth McLaughlin, who we said missed the scrimmage. James Brockermeyer, uh, the twin brother of Tommy, was the second center. And then uh, you've got – it's got to be J.B. and Cohen, who started all last year at left guard. And I would think the one freshman, the true freshman that's pushing – for a job at least to, or at least to play is is uh you know Tyler Booker and he would be the backup right guard so I the, the as far as the only change in the in the uh, 2D from one scrimmage to the other was Brockermeyer and that's because uh you know I think Seth McLaughlin was hurt from what I understand he was running stadium steps so he'll be back next week and so I believe that's what Nick Saban also told the media so uh I, I but it, it sounds like William that they're zeroing in on their first five. And the only mild surprise is Kendall Randolph pushing to uh, potentially be a starter for the first time in his career on the O-line. Well, no, I mean, 95% of the time, the, the, you know, whether it's the O-line or the defensive backs, the whole, the whole starting 22, um, you know, the people that come out of that scrimmage, in the spots that they started it in, you know, if you don't see a change somewhere by Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday's practices, that's what you're going to see versus um, Utah State. You know, they'll start getting into the, um, you know, the game plan and stuff mid midweek. And uh, if you don't see a wholesale change, um, which, you know, may or may not be caught by the media and reported, I doubt Nick Saban would say anything about it. But if there's not a change in the, um, the depth chart, you know, in the starting 11 on each side of the football between yesterday and Wednesday, there's not going to be one. Yeah, it's, and it doesn't look like it. And so, and now it looks like Latou is a week to 10 days away from returning. So, uh, you know, and, and you know how these scrimmages go, William. They did some ones-on-ones inside the 20 for red zone work. Uh, now, uh, now, and we saw Jalen Moody. Uh, you know, has been the weak line, the will linebacker on the, and and done well. And from what I understand, yesterday he had a couple sacks, but it was interesting. You know, he may have uh, got a little shaken up. Not, I don't think anything serious, but they took a look at Dante, Deontay Lawson with the ones inside the red zone next to Henry Toa Toa. And, and I, and, you know, and, and it's interesting because, again, I think Moody is still the heavy favorite to start at will, but. Deontay is obviously earning the thrust and pushing a little bit for a starting job. And so that's something we're going to continue to monitor. Uh, but as far as, you know, the O-line and then the tight ends, with Latou out, I think they've got these three tight ends, uh, you know, we're seeing action with the ones and twos. And, and those guys are, you know, uh, you know Robbie Oots, who's more of an H, 
and then uh, Miles Kitzelman, and then the other one is Danny Lewis. Danny Lewis definitely passes the look test, and in red zone work, I mean, it was you know it was with the twos, but he had a touchdown catch from Jalen Milrow. So it looks like he's a guy that maybe as the season goes on could push. My guy that I've been hyping, Amari Nyblack, had had a few catches, but all with the threes from what we understand. And I, he's not pushing yet, but he looks the part. He's athletic. And again, for Nyblack would probably be on the, in the second half of the season if we see him, because I think he's still having some uh, learning curve with the offense. And again, when Latou gets back, I still think your top three tight ends are going to be uh, Latou, of course, starting Oots uh, as an H fullback. And then, of course, Kitzelman. We'll see if, if they uh, get Danny Lewis on the field some. He may still have to continue to gain strength. But again, if, if Alabama goes too tight, especially if Kendall Randolph is wearing that 60 jersey, then I would expect a lot of Latou and Miles Kitzelman because Kitzelman is the guy. Uh, you know, that's a really good blocker that I think they believe can help them as an in-line player, uh, no doubt about that. But as we said, though, Bryce Young, no doubt the starter, played at a very high level in the scrimmage. It's, it was We saw about equal reps, from what I understand, uh, with, uh, you know, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. So the difference, though, is with Ty in, the offense doesn't change much what they're going to run with Bryce Young. With Jalen Milrow, there's going to be more zone read. He ran some yesterday. And at times, once again, the inconsistency showed. He made some really good throws, like the one to Lewis, and also one late in the scrimmage to tie you Jones Bell with the backup from there in two minutes. But I just don't think there was still at times the ball came out too slow. And so, uh, you know, from what I was told, and, and, and that's interesting too, because Milrow's improved, I think, no question about it. He's one of the best athletes on the team. I'm going to be interested to see if they create a role for him. But, William, when we've already talked about the running back depth right now, and I think they played five backs yesterday, uh, E.J. Henderson, the true freshman from Geneva, he was only in there as a slot receiver. They're only working him at receiver right now. It's going to be interesting because they've got a lot of guys. We've already mentioned some of the receivers that have stepped up if, to, to see if they have enough. Uh, I, I don't know if they need the diversity of a Milrow playing uh, in, in a uh, in a specialty role, or if they if there's enough snaps to include him in the game plan. Well, I tell you what, Anderson would be the biggest slot wide receiver I've ever seen in college football. If that's where they stick him. Yeah, I mean he's he 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 look you know from what I understand he looked pretty smooth doing it too. I mean, uh, you know he's number twenty four when if people want to start looking for him in the program, and he's definitely you know over six feet tall and. Again, they've got so many backs right now because when you think about it, we already talked about it. First guy, Jameer Gibbs with the ones. You've got Jason McClellan, who's now wearing number two. Then you've got, uh, you know, Roydell Williams wearing five, six is, of course, uh, Trey Sanders. So, And then then 26, true freshman, Jamarian Miller. They've just got so many backs. They just don't have, uh, you know, enough uh, footballs right now. But as we know, uh, that can change with injuries. But as of right now, that's why I think they're working EJ at receiver. He and Nye Black made some plays with the threes. So both those guys, I think, will be players later in their careers. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it's going to be a really interesting fall to see how some of these guys continue to get better. And, 
and this offense as a whole. I don't know, you know, they showed some explosiveness yesterday, obviously. I don't know if it'll be as explosive as Jamison Williams made it last year, but I believe you made a good point that uh, it may just be that he was waiting and biding his time, but a guy like Holden may be a different type player than he was kind of uh, let out to be because we haven't seen him a lot. Well, the, the hell with the offense, Drew. Let's talk about the defense and specifically the red zone and short yardage defense. I was told that my main man, Jaheim, is running with the ones. That's correct. I mean, uh, he, you know, he, he, from what I understand, he went in early. I mean, we're talking about when they start these scrimmages out, it's a lot of times one versus twos, and, and they, the second offense is going against the first defense, and by the third series, or excuse me, and, and that's, you know, and it's the third, really, and I guess I should say, uh, tweak it and say third play from scrimmage because they were changing out guys every, every down, it seemed like. But let's just put it this way. Very early on, Jaheim Otis, number 91, was in there. Uh, and he got special praise from Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban saying that basically when they were over at the his house at the river, at the lake in Tuscaloosa, they had about five or six skill guys that were trying to do a, a, one, a, 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 you know, a 360 somersault uh, backflip off of the, of the pier into the water. And the guy that weighed 360 pounds did it better than all of them. And that was Jaheim Otis to show you the kind of like athleticism he has. And he's lost 70 plus pounds and he got in there early. I mean, you know, the, uh, he and Tim Smith both. Now, Justin Aboigby and Young started from what I understand. And, and they were running more like just two deal, true, true DLs. And then they were walking up the edge guys, Dallas Turner and Will Anderson. So uh, for him to be in there that early, William, kind of shows you what he's already been able to accomplish. And I think they believe he's really going to help the rush defense. And the rush defense was good last year. But if you have a guy like Otis and, and he's going to, of course, help your depth with on, on the D-line too because you've got some experienced guys back like a Byron Young, like an Aboigby, uh, then I, it really is going to make your defense even better. And it's obvious there wasn't really yesterday, uh, like last week he had one sack. We didn't see Curtis Perry very much, from what I understand. But a boy, I mean, but if there is one freshman that is pushing as far as a true freshman uh, to be a part of this defense and be a big part, it's Jaheim Otis, and that's pretty amazing because again, uh, you know, we saw him in the spring; he looked good, but he's lost even more weight, and it, and now that he's, uh, you know, pushing for playing time with this veteran group, I think says a lot about his talent. Well, Drew, let's don't jinx his ass with the freaking backflips. I think a lot of people remember uh, the, the last true freshman defensive lineman that showed up in Tuscaloosa that was a backflip artist. Yeah. That's One true. Kerry Murphy. Yeah, that's true. Kerry Murphy got, he had a lot of physical issues. Hopefully that won't happen to Jaheim, and uh, he can be a big part of this defense, no question about it. But I think the, the first defense uh, – you know, has a chance to be, you know, special. There's no question about it. Uh, I, the pass rush was as advertised. Will Anderson did not scrimmage last week. Well, he did this week uh, and had three sacks. Shocker, I know. Uh, and, you know, and from what I understand, Henry Toa Toa had two. Jalen Moody had two. A lot of this is against the second team. We all understand. But still, uh, you know, DeMarco Helms had a sack. Justin Boyby had a sack. Uh, 
you know, Chris Braswell. And I think uh, Nick Saban's reiterated it, though. They are really excited about the pass rush as a whole uh, because I think they believe that uh, with Will Anderson, Dallas, and Braswell, they've got three A-level pass rushers. And, I, and I'll just say this, too. I, the, the biggest surprise, though, name that you were hearing in the scrimmage, William, and it was against the twos mostly with the plays he was making. But he's a guy, he's another one kind of like Trayshawn Holden who has had to bide his time and wait. He's also had, he had an off-the-field issue last year. But he was a five-star talent coming out of Jackson Owen High School. Ironically, the alma mater of one David Palmer. But Quandarius Robinson led the defense in tackles for loss yesterday and had a really good scrimmage. He's not going to start. There's too many freakazoids in front of him. But he's another one that I think they'll be comfortable playing in a game and uh, and potentially down the road could be a good football player. Yeah, and that's, you know, the, the main reason why I, I look – you know, so much forward to games like Utah State, especially, you know, as the season opener, you'll get to see, hopefully, um, if the game goes the way we think it is, you know, you'll get to see a lot of these guys. You'll get to see a, a Jaheim Otis, and you'll get to see Quandarius Robinson, and, um, you know, a lot of these guys that, that, you know, Alabama fans haven't had a chance to see a lot of because they are so young, and, uh, you know, get the guy, starters on the bench, and, get them to start to recover for the next game against Texas and, uh, you know, let, let some of these young guys who are, like you said, uber talented in their own right, they've just got to wait their turn, which has become the norm at, at a program like Alabama under Nick Saban. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's kind of has become the norm. And I, and then Keanu Koo, he had a flash play from what I understand. And he had to red shirt last year, basically because of injury and to build his body up. But, they are absolutely deep. And you mentioned Jeremiah Alexander from Thompson last week. Too. He's a freakazoid freshman. They've got they've got as much depth in the, you know, the outside backer spot as they've ever had. And, and then inside, like we said, I mean, they I think some of those guys are still learning, definitely. They're talented, like Jihad Campbell. Uh, I think he's a guy they really like. I think, I think uh, you know, uh, they, and they certainly still like Ian Jackson. They feel like he's improved, but no question about it right now that Deontay Lawson is the one that's pushing, pushing, uh, you know, certainly, uh, J- uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jalen Moody and, of course, uh, you know, Henry Toa Toa playing at a high level. But the linebacker core is stacked. Uh, Jaheim Otis certainly helping improve this D-line. And uh, right now I would say that when they start against Utah State, I would expect that Boyd and Byron Young to be in there but it's not going to take long for them to, uh, you know, uh, rotate in guys like Jaheim Otis, no doubt, and Tim Smith and DJ Dale. DJ, uh, you know, played yesterday but did not start, but he's another one that's played a lot of snaps for Alabama. And and, and then I think Jamil Burroughs as well. So they're developing some depth there along the D-line, a lot of competition going on. Uh, and, 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 then I, with the, and then that doesn't even – talk about bring up the secondary and I just still think that probably corner is the biggest question for this team uh, right now for Alabama uh, they've got to uh, continue to develop those but William I will say and it's probably a little bit surprising uh, now some of it's due to injury because Eli Ricks didn't practice yesterday and he also has been trying to learn the scheme and Tyree Jackson's had a groin but sometimes that opens the door for guys and this young cat that they redshirted last year, Terry on Arnold, he, from what I understand, he performed well again yesterday. And 
I know it would some may some of it may depend on who's healthy, but there's a good chance right now he might start uh, on the other side of, from Kool Aid McKinstry at corner uh, for this defense. Well, you know, and I don't think that's a, a you know a negative, especially if uh, um, you know, I mean, based on all the stuff that's you know transpired um, over the summer. Um, you know, you, you, you would have to think that, you know, Kool-Aid and Carrion are going to start, um, you know, versus Utah State, and Kyrie's the third guy right now. Um, so, you know, Ricks has got some ground to make up, um, you know, albeit some due to injury, the other, you know, not understanding the, you know, the complexities of, of playing in a Nick Saban secondary versus, um, you know, what he was asked to do at, at LSU, which was basically see receiver and go cover wide receiver. Um, it's it's not that simplified, um, you know, playing corner for Nick Saban. So I think he's still, you know, a little bit lost in that whole concept as well. But, you know, hopefully he gets healthy and, and uh, you know, becomes a, you know, a, a factor back there in that rotation. Yeah, and if, they, and if the corners do come around, I think there's no doubt this defense won't have any uh, weakness because we said earlier, uh, you know, at safety, you know, there was a there was a uh, you know a scare an injury wise with an ankle for a, a minor one for Jordan Battle, but he was in a black jersey from what I understand. Still had an interception to Ty Simpson. Uh, still had some nice tackles, so he was not you know no contact. He played full speed. Uh, he was back there with the, the usual suspects. Uh, DeMarco Helms. Helms had a nice interception uh, of, a, of a deep ball from that he, that he ranged over and got from Jalen Milrow, plus a sack. So Helms looks healthy and looks tremendous. So he had been battling, played a lot of football. Uh, the only one that kind of concerned me, and it was on that 75-yard catch and run on the screen, was, you know, from what I understand, uh, you know, and he's had injury issues since the end of his freshman year. Hope we were hoping he's healthy, and I think he should be right now. Uh, you know, but uh, Malachi Moore, uh, who's the dime back, he was, uh, you know, in position on that quick screen to at least make a tackle, maybe 10 yards down the field uh, against, uh, you know, uh, Treshawn Holden. Took a bad angle, uh, got juke, and then Treshawn runs 75 yards down the sideline. You know, you'd like to see. The, the Malachi Moore we saw as a freshman come back around, uh, you know, but so I'm a little bit concerned, uh, you know, about how he sounded like he played in the scrimmage, even though I think at least he's healthy. Uh, but still, you know, you, you really worry about that. I and personally, I think Brian Branch, as good as Battle and Helms, uh, you know, had played yesterday. I still think Branch may be the best player. He got his hands on a ball, nearly had an interception and uh, actually a couple of times. Uh, one against Milrow, one against uh, Bryce Young coming up the middle, getting his hands on the football. So I'm excited about the secondary if these corners come around. And I just think, uh, you know, I, and I'll bring Thomas Watts into this uh, for his thought. But, Thomas, I know uh, you've had some strong thoughts on this defense. And I know we've all at one, one time or another criticized Pete Golding. But, you know, he's in year five. I think he's gotten better every year. And this defense, should the corners – uh, mature as a chance to, you know, be a special group. Absolutely, Drew. The thing that really when you looked at this defense, you look for 
where are the new bodies? And the new bodies were potentially, or the, you know, I don't want to say unskilled, but less skilled bodies, that I'll, I'll be generous. Uh, the new bodies, or the less skilled, would be interior defensive line and cornerback. It sounds like there are a bunch of guys competing for corner. Who ends up shaking out remains to be seen. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if you saw rotation through Utah State. Again, going back to what William said, where essentially get a bunch of guys to see them in the game, to be able to get some film to review. I realize that Alabama's probably three touchdowns better than Texas, you know, something like that. But Texas has athletes. Xavier Worthy is the real deal, the, one of the Texas wide receivers. If a Jai yeah. Hall can remove head from ass, as oh. with Jaleel Billingsley, they're good wide receivers. They're just knuckleheads. So Texas is going to have some talent. So Alabama needs somebody, some group of people to step up at corner. But if – I don't think – I think – Alabama fans need to be very careful because I see a lot of people comparing this Alabama team to essentially the 85 uh, Bears huh. or something. And that's not really a fair comparison for a lot of reasons. You have to contextualize all of it when you're talking about this Alabama defense. And the problem is what defense looks better going into the start of this year. We know that Georgia has the talent. They, they really do. That's a talented football team. But the turnover is massive. Dan Lanning is in Oregon now. So a lot of new pieces and parts of that Georgia Bulldogs defense. Do you think that Ohio State, by paying all that money to go to get, I believe his name is Jim Knowles, is that yeah. going to cure Ohio State's ills? Because Ohio State's defense, ironically – had a lot of the same problems that Alabama's would without Phil Mathis, which was a real soft interior defensive line. If you watch that Michigan-Ohio State game, Ohio State lost that game for two reasons. One, Ohio State was a high-flying offense. You cannot be high-flying in a snowstorm. And Michigan essentially ran Ohio State out of the stadium because the interior defensive line couldn't stand up. But realize when I'm talking about Ohio State, and I'm talking about Georgia, I'm talking about the two teams following Alabama as potential early national championship contenders. So even when I say stuff like that, realize that we're talking about the very best teams across college football. So if I'm an Alabama fan, I think the corners are going to get settled out. They have – a, a, a game worth of on-ramp for sure. And if the interior defensive line can just get a guy, and it sounds like Jaheim Otis has is – if he is not that guy, he is becoming that guy. That's all Alabama's defense really needed. Now, I have bashed Pete Golding over and over on this program, but I will say – now he's got all of his guys in year five. I know it's taken too long for my comfort, but but if Nick Saban kept Pete Golding around because of his four-two-five skills, four down linemen, less two gapping, two linebackers, and five defensive backs, essentially an evolution of Alabama 
running their nickel defense as their common defense. It's not really their base defense. Base. It, that's, that, that terminology is actually dated because of how college football has changed. But if the four-two-five alignment is Alabama's normal alignment, well, he's got the ends in spades. He's got the middle linebackers in spades. He's really got the safeties and, I believe, the star in spades. So, at this point, it's kind of put up or shut up time. I think Alabama's defense is going to be really, really good this year and is going to really surprise some people with how well they play, particularly as the season wears on. Because even as you look across the Alabama football schedule, I think Alabama's decisively better than pretty much every team they're going to play up until the SEC championship. But that wear and tear is going to happen. Alabama's going to get everyone's best shot. Just just absolutely assume that that's going to be the case because Alabama, barring a massive meltdown, has a chance to go wire-to-wire number one. So there are going to be issues from that. But even with that said, Drew, I think if you're an Alabama fan and the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen right now is you're worried about three positions out of 11 and the other eight look like potential All-American levels or something like that, you have to be really excited about this upcoming season. Yeah, you do, no doubt. And, I mean, like I said, uh, I think for me, uh, I, I, the biggest questions are, are the depth at corner. You know, can Ricks get healthy? Can uh, Kyrie? Uh, I think, you know, Terion's developing and playing with a lot of confidence and physicality. And we know what Kool-Aid can do. And by the way, Kool-Aid will be your punt returner, in my opinion. Uh, it was him mostly and Ja'Cory Brooks yesterday. Kool-Aid will be uh, to the, the punt returner until JoJo Roll gets back. Kickoff return was interesting because Jameer Gibbs is dynamic back there. He will be one of them. It was mostly paired up with Ja'Cory Brooks yesterday. But we also saw some Terion Arnold, So, uh, from what we understand. So, that, that Terion also getting a shot in the kicking game. The kick, the place kicking Will Riker two for three. He was just wide on a 53 yarder, so no concern there. Uh, Jack Martin made both of his shorter kicks, and then uh, Burnup was very solid at punt uh, at the punter spot, even booming a couple. So I think they're in solid shape there. The only thing that really concerns me on offense is if they have injuries at the offensive tackle position, because Steen is a, is going to be the left tackle otherwise. Latham the right. Uh, but behind them, Damian George is a big drop-off at right tackle. Uh, and then, you know, Amari Kite, uh, you know, is a, is a drop-off at left. So, to me, they need to keep their offensive tackles healthy and uh, keep uh, getting these corners better. And I, I think the wide receiver room is already hashing itself out. Well, William, I know we've got a few minutes left in the show. What are your concerns, basically, as we come out of the second scrimmage and and have our last two weeks of preparation before Utah State. I mean, really, like I touched on before, and, and you know, I think you put you know more of an emphasis on it than I did when I when I say you know I'm still on the fence about the offensive line. Um, you know, I wasn't even factoring in the the lack of depth at, at uh, you know offensive tackle. Um, you know, I don't know if, if the true freshman, Elijah Pritchett, would have been able to help from a depth standpoint at all this year. But, you know, if he did, in fact, completely tear a peg muscle, he's done. 
for quite some time. So you can go ahead and X him out of the whole equation, um, whether he was going to be helpful or not. I mean, I do think, um, you know, if you wanted to hit the 911 panic button, if something were to happen to Latham, um, I think you'd probably see uh, Tyler Booker um, there as the next man up, if, if, especially if George, you know, looks like the same George that we saw last year. I know he's, you know, number two on the depth chart, but I, I just don't know if you can make that much of an improvement, um, you know, in a 12-month period based on what we saw out of his uh, footwork last year. But that's really the only concern I have, Drew, is, you know, can this offensive line um, – you know, under first-year offensive line coach Eric Wolford, um, you know, get a, a decent ground game. I mean, I think if they can, you know, the sky's the limit because that will, you know, open up a lot of play-action opportunities, maybe even some uh, zone read opportunities for, for Bryce Young and, uh, you know, make his job and the rest of the offense that much more easy. Well, and I got to say, you know, as we're wrapping this up, though, uh, when you're when you have the the, the MVP of the scrimmage with the intel's coming out that it's Trayshawn Holden, I think that's a good sign that shows weapons are being uh, you know developed and uh, he's got a chance to come into his own. And then Quandarius Robinson on defense because we know the star power on this defensive group. But if he's getting better and becoming somebody that can eventually you can count on down in and down out that shows the depth of this defense. And I think that should excite. Uh, Alabama fans to no end, no doubt about it. But uh, I know that we're, uh, we're wrapping up this edition of BAMS Radio on this uh, Sunday uh, as we have uh, been talking second scrimmage for the University of Alabama. Next week, we'll start talking a little Utah State. And I know Thomas does a great job of gaining intel on opponents and telling us a little bit about them. Uh, and that'll give him several days to look up some things on Blake Anderson, who Alabama is very familiar with. He he was at Arkansas State for many years, and they competed against his teams. And I know Nick Saban believes this is a uh, you know a quality opening opponent. They won I think 11 games last year, including a bowl game. And then we'll you know probably talk some recruiting as well. Alabama, there's a good chance they're going to get some good news uh, on uh, the, the football recruiting front Monday uh, with another defensive line addition. We'll uh, we'll talk about that, and then we'll also uh, talk maybe even some basketball recruiting. They could get some good news before next Sunday as well, and maybe even some more football. It's because you never know uh, when, you know, uh, the uh, these kids decide may decide to announce. But I think they got a shot to add a piece or two in football this next week, and then, of course, uh, maybe a piece in basketball as well. Uh, but for Thomas the Wizard Watts, for William Redfish Barger, I'm your host, Rudy Armin. This has been another edition of BAMS Radio. We continue to appreciate Everyone's support of our podcast, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Everybody have a great week, and roll tide.